A body in motion has completely different physiology than a body that exercises. And you want to be the body in motion. Exercise is a charade. Like, yes, it's good. Yes, it's important. But the idea that exercise is what our bodies need to do to be healthy is incorrect. Everyone, welcome, welcome, welcome to this special guest segment. Look, Dr. Casey Means, she's been at this metabolic health thing for quite a while. When I found her, I said, hey, you're in LA. When she was visiting, we sat down, we had a long conversation about all things health, but not just physical, but the mental and emotional part too. Now she's a former ENT surgeon. That means she was seeing a lot of inflammatory processes or the manifestation of those inflammatory processes in the ears, the nose, and the throat. But it moved her into this really powerful part for long-term health, longevity, and it's a metabolic health. And we're gonna learn a lot about how to reduce inflammation and really simply, 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 you know, we, we get so crazy on the things we need to do for our health. How do we simplify our health? What are the things we need to be doing every single day with the biggest bang for the buck? We're gonna make life easy for you on this special segment. Thank you for joining the show. I'm so happy to be here, Dr. G. This is so great. Listen, I, I could I could go another two minutes and give you a really bomb uh, intro because you deserve all of it because of all of the work that you're doing in this world. Thank you. So how do you go from, I, I got my degree, I did my residency, I'm looking at ears, nose, and throats all day, inflammation. How do you go from that to going uh, metabolic health? Mm. <laughs> so I was about nine years into my medical and surgical training, you know, four years of medical school, five years of surgical training. And I basically had a complete and utter sort of out of body experience awakening, which was realizing, like you said, that almost every single condition that I was treating as an ear, nose and throat surgeon was an inflammatory condition. So, you know, in, in medicine, itis is the suffix for inflammation, of course. And what does an ENT treat? It's laryngitis, thyroiditis, otitis, cellulitis, parotitis, mastoiditis. I could go on and on, tracheitis. And I thought, oh my God, I'm an inflammation doctor and I didn't even realize it. And then of course, what am I prescribing every day? I'm prescribing every type of steroid you could possibly prescribe, which are all gonna tamp down on the immune system. So it's IV steroids, inhaled steroids, topical steroids, oral steroids. So it's all about inflammation and then tamping down the immune system to improve symptoms. And so it kind of was a mismatch for me of like, wait a minute, the immune system is basically chronically overactivated in these inflammatory conditions, but I'm treating it with steroids, which just kind of is a hammer to the immune system. And if that doesn't work, I'm going in and doing surgery yeah. to bust holes in things, to suck the inflammatory pus out and let it drain more. But that's really doing nothing to the actual inflammation. And the wake up call was, I don't know why people are inflamed. I've never learned that. Why is the immune system so revved up? Why are all these patients having this, this sort of threat response upregulated in their bodies and then it's not turning off? Something has to trigger that threat and not once. At Stanford Medical School, in surgical residency, did I learn what that trigger was. So I quit being a surgeon and I put down my scalpel and I went on a quest to figure that out. And that led me to becoming a metabolic health evangelist. And it took a long time to unpack that journey. But really what it comes down to is that 
the average American right now is dealing with a chronic inflammatory condition. Almost every single disease that's killing Americans today, from cancer to heart disease to type 2 diabetes to vascular diseases, uh, dementia, these things are all associated with chronic inflammation. There is a threat in the body that is being responded to chronically, and that's creating all this collateral damage of organ dysfunction that leads to symptoms and disease. So what is the thing that's causing that? And the connection that is so important to understand is that so much of what's causing the body of the average American to be in a state of such high alarm is the fact that the cells are actually underpowered. They cannot produce the energy they need to produce to do their work properly. So they become dysfunctional and they release chemical mediators that recruit immune cells to help. So this underpowering process of the cells is called metabolic dysfunction. Metabolism is how we convert food to energy. Every single one of our 37 trillion plus cells in the body needs cellular energy to do its work. And when our cells do their work properly, our organs work, our bodies work, we have a happy and healthy life. When that energy process does not work, when we cannot do metabolic health well, we can't convert food to energy properly, we can't make cellular energy well, our cells become underpowered, they're like sputtering machines, and they falter, and we get cellular dysfunction, and that recruits the immune system. So then it's a question of like, okay, so if metabolic issues are a key cause of what's causing these cells to be uh, threatened, well, then the next question is, why is there metabolic dysfunction? You just have to keep asking these whys. And then going down that route, it really showed that the reason we have so many met metabolic problems in our country, which are now affecting, metabolic issues are affecting 93% of American adults now, underpowered cells. And the reason for this is because of the world that we're living in now, the environment around us. So many of the modern industrial aspects of our, you know, these advanced lives we're living in this, the most advanced civilization in history are actually uniquely synergistically hurting the machinery inside the cell, specifically the mitochondria that uh, converts food to energy. And so the things in our modern life that are doing this range from our highly processed industrialized diets grown in poor soil that's covered in pesticides, our sedentary behavior, our built environments promoting us to sit all the time, our chronic low-grade stress, our constant toxic fear that's been propagated by the media and sensationalist, you know, uh, uh, media, um, our lack of sleep. We're getting two hours less sleep per day on average than about 200 years ago. The toxins in our environment, 80,000 synthetic toxins that have been entered our water, food, air over the past 100 years. Um, our microbiomes are decimated from so many different factors and artificial light, which basically is on 24 hours a day and totally screws up our metabolic circadian rhythm. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best. And they're always at health events and people are loving them. And they're quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with 
plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products. GHKCU and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alituria Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? And experience a brew that's not only delicious, but it's also health focused. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best, and then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well being. I'm gonna tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in that process is rooted in health focused principles backed by solid, scientific, research based, rigorous testing. They use the finest specialty grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity Coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity, and this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy, boosting compounds with every sip. Purity Coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roast with sweet fruity notes and their dark roast with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. There's all these things in our environment that are brand new that are synergistically hurting our metabolic processes, making our cells falter and become underpowered and therefore send out alarm systems, uh, alarm signals, which revs up the immune system. And what I started really feeling into during this journey of understanding the why behind inflammation is that is really this deep sense of like compassion for ourselves. You know, we have these trillions of cells in our body that when you give them what they need to function properly and don't overburden them with too many environmental threats, they'll do their work perfectly and we'll have a beautiful, happy, long life. But when you don't, you know, they, they, they will suffer and we will have symptoms. And, you know, these cells are kind of all in our body in this like dark environment inside our body and they don't have eyes, they don't have ears, they don't have hands. They can't do anything to tell us that they are struggling. So what do they do? 
they present symptoms to us. You know, they basically, their way of crying out and screaming to us is chronic inflammation and symptoms. And so when we get those symptoms, when we feel these symptoms that we know are associated with chronic inflammation and metabolic dysfunction, it's our job as both individuals, but also as physicians to take stock of what are these triggers in the environment. They're creating a world of threat for these poor, helpless cells. And how do we either heal them, process them, or remove them? And when you do that, the cell's metabolic processes work well, the cells are powered, our animating life force is strong, yeah. and we have happy, healthy lives. Ooh. And and we see those changes and physician, as physicians when we're practicing, right? we see people starting to get better and that animating life, as you see, the redness in the cheeks. Yes. The eyes are glittery all of a sudden. They have all this energy. Their personality is really coming out even more so. And it, you just feel that energetic change. But I love these why questionings. Because it's funny, like in any case, if you keep asking why, you're like, oh, wait, that makes sense. Actually, I guess that's why. Now, you said a few things. Why? And this this total summation of industrialized stuff that has come over and over. But some of the things we can't control. Like, I can't control if I go to Target and there's artificial light. Um, I can't control uh, some of the 80,000 environmental toxins. So naturally then me wanting to figure out how do we start empowering people? What are some things that we can start doing right now, even if it has nothing to do with those things and removing them, the things we can't remove, to build that resiliency, to build that cellular strength, that metabolic health, uh, to build that mitochondria health. So now these cells that are sort of like suffering and sending out these signals going, starting to feel better, hold on, less signals, 50% less signals, 25, now I'm really feeling good. And now the symptoms are going away. Now healing happens. Yeah. What are some things we could start doing? Mm. I think the first step is awareness of like what is really going on. So what we're talking about, you know, having a framework for what's happening in the body and this sort of fear that our bodies are living in from the environments they're living in. Once you start to have that framework, then you can start to unpack it. And another framing that I use is that like, let's just take one single cell, this like sphere in the body and inside of it is the mitochondria. And right now our mitochondria are being harmed. So then you think about all these choices that you can make in your day-to-day -day life. And fundamentally, it's about, you know, cobbling together a series of choices every day that support the capacity and the resilience and sort of the safety of that mitochondria and then take away as many of the things that can harm it and hurt it as possible. And every day is going to look different. And the beauty of how many vectors are actually hurting our mitochondria in our modern world today is that you have a lot of choices. You've got a lot of different things you can do every day to basically support uh, that part of the cell. And we're never going to be able to do all of them. And they're probably going to look different every day. But I really do think about it as like every day I'm just trying to with, you know, whatever motivation I have that day, what I'm being pulled towards that day in terms of choices, where I am in my cycle that week, like what choices can I cobble together today to support that mitochondria? And so the the different like vectors that you can really sort of choose from is the food, optimizing sleep, addressing the chronic low-grade stress, moving your body more, avoiding the environmental toxins, avoiding the artificial light at night, supporting the microbiome, and potentially giving your body different temperature signals like 
exposing it to cold to basically give the mitochondria a boost. So those are some of the the different vectors you can kind of pull from. So some days it might be really focusing on getting super high quality sleep and eating my whole foods and, you know, unprocessed foods and maybe doing a cold plunge. And then other days, the things I'm cobbling together might be going to therapy and working through some of my limiting beliefs right. and making sure that I'm using un- non-toxic personal care products and filtering my water. So it's kind of mixing all these things together and never expecting that you're going to be doing every single one right. every single day because it's impossible. And ultimately you want to, you know, support the resilience and the capacity, minimize the undue stressors and tip the balance towards health. And that's really the goal for me every day. It's never perfection because that's impossible. And we do live in a world where some things are out of our control, just living in the modern world. And so focusing too much on trying to eliminate all of those stressors would make you go crazy. And that's bad for your metabolic health as well. Stressing too much. It's another just level of fear that we're seeing, right? We turn off the TV, but then we're worried about, am I doing this perfectly? Yeah. As you said, you're never going to, but it's like, like you said, we have all these vectors or this choice of going, okay, you know what? Today I feel my body. Oh, I need sleep. Yes. I need sleep. My body's yes. saying, I already have my air filter on and I know I'm going to eat well because, you know, we made some good food, but sleep is what my body's asking for. Yeah. It's having that connection back with the body. You mentioned cold plunge. Uh, you know, I, I can't tell you the amount of times I opened up your story <laughs> and I see you in a cold plunge. I was like, she's cold plunging over there in Oregon. She's cold plunging uh, now here in California. <laughs> it's like, uh, but I never really spoke about cold plunge in the sense of, is it just a fad? Or is it really good for mitochondrial health? Every every choice you're making every day is just information to your body, right? And, and cold is one piece of energetic information that's translated through your nervous system and through hormones to your cells. And that piece of information is make more heat. I'm cold. And so when I'm trying to support my mitochondrial function, efficiency, quantity, giving those cells and the mitochondria that stimulus of like i am cold please make heat Mm. is a conversation i'm having with my cells to get them to do better work and so that's how i think about cold plunging it's just a piece of information in the conversation i'm always having with my body to stimulate it to do what i want it to do and what i want my body to do is be mitochondrially efficient and since mitochondria are heat generators when you expose yourself to cold you're going to rev up those pathways and so that's that's why i do it and Mm -hmm. um i i sometimes do have that a little bit of that psychological conversation in my head when i am cold plunging of like body let's make some heat and let's do it well and, that. you know, the studies, the studies support that um, exposing yourself to colder temperatures through through various mechanisms, not necessarily just cold plunging, but cold showers or wearing cold. There's some studies where they put people in cold vests while they're sleeping or turn down the air temperature in the room. Different different modalities can support similar improvements, which is things like improving brown fat composition, which is the metabolically active mitochondrial dense fat in the body. Um, and ultimately, it's all just about stimulating the body to make more heat. You talk about your psychological combo you're having when you're in the tub about creating more heat. Mine's is, should I go in today? Maybe I can skip it. Maybe today's not the day to do a cold plunge. Ah, I just ate. It's not a good idea because it is so hard to jump into cold water. Like it's the same. It's always the same. I don't want to do this. When I do it, I'm like, oh my God, this is the best feeling I've had in so long. Is Would you agree? I mean, I... I think so much of experiences is framing, right? And how you think about it. And so I, this is sort of an odd, odd direction, but I I would love to have a baby in the next like 
three to five years. I'm, That's my number. Three to five. Three to five. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> um, but I'm so excited about that. Yeah. And I really would love to do it like as naturally and sort of un um, intervened as possible. And so there are very few things in life that I think can prepare you for childbirth. And I think it's probably, I'm hoping it'll be the most spiritual experience I ever have um, and connect me as much to, you know, the divine as possible. But like, I want to be ready for that. And so one of the things I think when I'm going to a cold plunge is like, this is one of the only things I feel like I can do right now that puts me into a state of, I mean, it's probably not even close, obviously, to, but like that really puts me in a state where I have to be 100% present. Yeah. I have to use my mind and my breath to control my reaction. Um, and so I actually take a lot of pleasure and pride in that kind of like training process towards something that's a huge goal right, of mine. Right. And it's totally shifted my relationship with cold plunge because I'm doing it in service of a spiritual experience that I plan to have in the next few years. And part of this comes from my <laughs> my sister-in-law who had an unmedicated birth. She's incredible. Oh. And it was truly the most um, transformative, I think, experience for both her and my brother in their whole life. And it's actually funny because your shirt says Rourke, Rourke which is the name it. of the child. Uh, and um, she said, yeah, it was hard, but the only thing I can compare it to that I've ever done in my whole life is cold plunging. No so I'm like, great. Wow. I'm going to keep cold plunging. And, um, but, but, but all that is to say that I think so much has to do with your relationship with the experience that you're choosing to have. And for me, it's in service of building resilience, psychological capacity and resilience for an experience I'm very excited about in the next few years. And two, it's in service of tuning up the parts of my cell that create my animating life force and my spark. And therefore, I go into that tub with a very different uh, feeling than if it's just like, this is a protocol. I need 11 minutes of this per week so that I can have longevity. Like that's not motivating me. Not at but all. But these things are. Not at all. <laughs> and, and and I'm trying to find my way as a man to, to be motivated in that sense of a grander scheme. But you're going to be a great doc, a, a great mom, doc. <laughs> you, you are a great doc. Uh, and, and I love the way that you frame that. It's like, of course you're motivated then. How many times are you doing it a week? I try and do it almost every day. Oh my goodness. You have one at your house? I do. Okay. What about cold shower? Can we, can people who don't have the, that's okay? Absolutely. Okay. I, you know, you want to make your body cold and make it hard. Yeah. Yeah. Make it hard. Okay. Now you didn't mention heat now. Is it, is it the same thing? Is the heat doing the, uh, as you say, the input, the information packets to the body through the nervous, through the hormones, to the, to our cells is overheating our body. Something mm -hmm. that we want to do like the sauna. The short answer is yes, but for totally different reasons, completely different physiology with heat versus cold. Heat is um, going to be impacting more of the heat shock protein pathways, which are this amazing uh, set of proteins in our, our body that are expressed and activated through exposure to heat. So temperature is a biologic signal that we can use to optimize our health outcomes. That's how we should think about it. Just like breath is a signal that can optimize various biologic outcomes in the body. It's just information. It's a conversation with the body. And heat is going to be more about upregulating antioxidant defense systems and overall reducing chronic inflammation in the body over the long time. And I think also does have a piece of the psychological resilience uh, element as well. Because when you're in there and you feel like you're going to die because it's so hot, <laughs> yeah. it is a stressor. Yeah, I mean, we... Yeah. 
we live very comfortable lives. We actually equate modernity with comfort. And one of the comforts that we really love in our modern world is thermo neutrality. And thermo neutrality is killing us. I truly believe. And I, I, I you know, I was just mentioning, I just finished writing my first book and dug a lot into the research literature about temperature. And it's so interesting to think how this concept that we would live at like 72 degrees all the time uh, and that that's a good thing is very modern. 150 years ago, no air conditioning, right? And many people did not have central heating in yeah. their homes. This is all completely modern. Even in a place like the Sahara Desert where it gets very hot, it gets down to sometimes the teens, 20s, 30s at night. So our bodies have evolved with extreme temperature swings that we have now virtually eliminated yeah. in the Western world to our great detriment. And we have confused comfort with advancement in society. And along with comfort, we have gotten sick because we have become cellularly complacent. So we this is this gets to the concept of um, hormetic stressors. And this is a term that's popular uh, right now in the longevity conversation is you kind of want to push your cells to discomfort right. to kind of get the best work out of them. And there's this concept of a starling curve, which is basically you push, you push and stress things harder and you get sort of peak outcomes. And then at a certain point, if you go too far with the stressor, you start getting diminishing returns. So you want to always be on that peak sort of perfect amount of hormetic stress for the best biological outcomes. But modernity has put us way down here on yeah. the stressor uh, curve where we're not getting the best outcomes because we're not stressing our body. So we are very comfortable in a lot of ways like um, temperature. And then on the other side, we've reached the far end of the starling curve with things like psychological fear, where we are just bombarding our bodies with stresses and fears. And we are way over the curve of diminishing returns on like psychological stressors. So uh, so we've kind of got this backwards. And basically we need to think about how do we move on every level of environment to like sleep and food and, and stress and movement to that perfect part of that curve where we are pushing the body just hard enough to give us the best outcomes right. and to make it activated and not complacent in our bodies yep. and you know thrive I, oof, man i feel like i can end the show right now I'll give you a big hug and be like that was amazing Aww, thank you. but but we still got more to talk about Let's do it. we still got more to talk now i talk a lot about processed foods listen viewers and listeners they're experts at this point so i don't even, we don't even have to go into that okay but i do want to go into something you mentioned that fear that we're getting from the media we're seeing all of this can you compare the fear state that we're in to eating crappy foods? I think yes. So when I think about the problem of ultra processed foods, and I we won't go into it too much because I know your audience ahead, is aware. Um, what you've done is you've essentially like hyper-concentrated the macronutrients into a form where you're getting this huge influx of like fats and glucose and carbohydrates loading the body all at one time and in a really fast way because you've removed a lot of that fiber uh, that's around natural forms of fat and uh, and carbohydrates and so it's it's really concentrated it's hitting the bloodstream faster 
overloading our cellular machinery, gumming up the systems, tasking all these mitochondria and cellular receptors and insulin receptors with way too much to do. And they're just saying, nope. And converting the excess to fat, our cells are filling with fat, our bodies are filling with fat, it's causing insulin resistance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you're hyper-concentrating all these macronutrients and then taking away the protective factors. You're also removing all the other elements of food that actually support the machinery. So the polyphenols that uh, the microbiome eat, which then create metabolic byproducts that support our microbiome, the micronutrients that are in natural foods that are stripped away from processed foods, which go in and act as mitochondrial cofactors, which actually let the electron transport chain, you know, the final step of food to energy production work properly. Mm -hmm. So it's just a whole mess, right? Too much of the bad stuff, too little of the good stuff, put it in the body. Well, that's exactly what's happening with the news, right? Too much of the bad stuff, too little of the good stuff. And it's almost like we talk about the algorithm. You know, the algorithm is all about beer. You know, the CNN technical director during COVID was caught um, on an undercover video joking with colleagues at a bar with the phrase, um, he said, if it bleeds, it leads. Mm. You know, people are, we are primed psychologically to focus on fear signals because we feel like if we do, it can help protect us for survival. Yeah. But they've hijacked this through media and the algorithm to basically get us to be obsessively focused on, you know, fear messaging at the expense of all the good miraculous things that are going on in the world. I was just grabbing my phone because there was literally a, um, there was something in the New York Times today, which I think is actually worth reading because it's astonishing where they said this was, this was the tweet from the New York Times today. So you want to go outside despite the heat, heavy rainfall, and poor air quality affecting millions this summer. Here's how to determine whether it's safe to leave the house. <laughs> Fuck you, New York Times. <laughs> you can't even leave the house. Like, this is crazy. I read that, and then I looked up outside of my window. And I mean, I'm obviously extremely privileged. Like, I live in LA. It's beautiful. Yeah. I am a white straight female with a college education. Like I get that, but like the world is beautiful. There are beautiful things happening around us. There are good things happening around us. And just that juxtaposition between, there are people literally reading this and taking this seriously thinking it is not safe to go outside the house. So this hyper-concentrated weaponized fear, uh, basically keeping people glued to media. And it's, it's the same playbook that's used by processed food in a totally different way, which is like, let's hyper-concentrate these things that keep people addicted and keep people attached and keep the reward circuitry of this thing going super strong and keep them at the teat of processed food and the teat of fear. And then all of a sudden, we are basically imprisoned in this world that profits off our fear, dependence, addiction. And then, of course, on the flip side, sells us solutions to it. Mm. Amen. Amen. This is exactly, I mean, thank you for pulling out that New York Times article. It's like, I, I actually turned off the news and I never watched it again, even before COVID when I remember I was home and my dad had the news on and I was like kind of tuning in. The first seven stories were about someone got murdered, our life is in danger, The this just came through and it's really bad for the environment. And I was like, whoa. And the eighth story was something kind of nice. And I said, I'm never gonna watch the news again. I don't need to, I don't need to. You know, when it comes to overall health, the little daily habits can make a huge difference. Take flossing, for example. Seems like such a minor thing, right? But taking good care of your teeth and gums 
does way more than just prevent cavities and bad breath. Emerging research shows that it can actually support whole body health and may even prevent cognitive decline as you age. That's wild, right? That's why I'm really excited to tell you about this awesome company called Slate and their game-changing three-in-one electric flosser. It's the only product out there that flosses your teeth, massages your gums, and even scrapes your tongue to remove bacteria to promote fresher breath. I've been using the Slate Flosser for about a month now, and I'm hooked. Unlike regular floss picks that you have to jam into your mouth, this electric flosser does all the work for you with 12,000 sonic vibrations per minute, really cleaning out them gums. The innovative gum sweeps give your gums a gentle massage to increase circulation too. And let's not forget the built-in tongue scraper to help zap bad breath at the source. So to start one of the easiest and healthiest daily habits with the Slate Electric Flosser, Go to slateflosser.com and use the code DRG to get 10% off of your very own flosser. That's 10% off of your easy-to-use Slate Electric Flosser at slateflosser.com slash DRG, S-L-A-T-E-F-L-O-S-S-E-R.com, and the code is DRG. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and health span is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day, creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been Opened and I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights. And these are staples. And, I, and not just me. I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle. Staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen. It's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. It's creatine. Momentous creatine is fantastic. There's no fillers, no additive, pure, effective ingredients you can trust. Trust is everything when it comes to supplements. Momentous third-party test. There's no surprises. What you see on the package is what you get. So if you're like me, you want to feel your body with the best of the best, go to livemomentous.com and use the code DRG for 15% off of creatine and collagen and all their top-notch products. That is L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com with the code DRG for your discount. This state of fear to our nervous system keeps us in this contracted state. And it, it, it's when I do my somatic healing, everyone's in some level of fear. Some fear to just be angry, but a lot of people are just fear to be alive. And, and you see it in the body. It's just contracted all through the body. And on the other side of it, it's just this liberation of empowerment. Yes. It's like, I'm in fear. Wait, that's an illusion. I don't need to be scared anymore. My home is, I'm not living in a home that's eggshells, for example, or getting all of these signals from the world. And then there's just a powerful, like, it's like the, like you said, the glowing of the face, the the eyes are twinkling, they're, they're back. And I think that's accessible for everyone. Once we realize, I don't need to be scared to go outside. This is bullshit. Yeah. Like, what's true for me? Yes. Right? What's true for me? Um, I love this. Convo, go ahead. And I would just say, like, there's a lot of research that shows how mindfulness exercises and meditation and breathing and yoga and tai chi and community are all associated with better metabolic health. 
And it makes sense because all of those experiences translate into a different biochemical reality in the body that changes hormonal signaling, uh, nervous system activation, vagus nerve, you know, parasympathetic nervous system activation balance, and actually changes our physiology. And going back to the conversation in the very beginning about inflammation, I think, again, when you think about this cell in the body, if it is being exposed to fear signals of any kind, and one of those can actually be psychological fear. Another fear might be the environmental toxins or the lack of yeah. sleep. These are fear signals. But actual fear is also a signal that's going to create that, that inflammatory sort of uprising in the body. And so I'm, I'm such a believer in the fact that we really cannot be optimally metabolically healthy if we are living with fear. And a little bit of fear is obviously natural and normal because we don't want to cross the street without looking and we don't, we want to take reasonable precautions to protect ourselves, but it's the deep chronic existential fear that is being weaponized against people to keep them scared and dependent and which is hurting our health so much. And I believe that those forms of fear can be processed and can be healed with the various healing modalities that we that we know around us, like the ones that you do, like therapy, like uh, mindfulness exercise, yeah. meditation, like potentially psychedelic assisted therapy, which is coming down the road. Um, the reality is that we are all going to die. You and I are both going to die in the next 50 to 100 years. That's a fact. It's a guarantee. And it makes no sense to spend this precious time that we're on this planet being fearful of that or really of anything because that that is the outcome for all of us yeah. and i think a deep curiosity about death and fear and really like feeling into it and doing everything in your power to address it head on and transform it is probably the number one job we have as adults on this planet because without that foundation you have a you are living in a body that is hyper vigilant and a body that is focused on addressing threats chronically is not a body that can put all its energy towards thriving mm. so um i so so i think metabolic health and 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 chronic fear trauma existential um unrest are are, are, is a conversation we need to be having more of. Ooh, that quote really hit me deep. That is, that is so, you're either in this state of fear and your body's suffering, but you ain't going to be thriving. You can't be hypervigilant on the whole world and be thriving. And it's just so important to understand that because almost everyone that I see is hypervigilant on something. So to be at rest in our body, you know, like that breath, I do it in the mornings and I'm like, I, I literally have to say to myself, I am safe. I am safe in this world that I've created, right? Like my relation to the world and, and like feel my, my shoulders go down and feel my nervous system go down. I actually have to do that multiple times a day. Um, and, and when we're victims of trauma or we've experienced trauma, oftentimes when it's in the body, the perceived view of the world is the whole world isn't safe. Yes. 
And that's, that's a nervous fascial response to all of yes. this. So it's just so important to, I love that you, you really are prioritizing this because we talk so much about like packaged foods. Yes. But this is so, so, so important. Yeah. It is right at the core and we really need to see it. And I'm so happy we took time to talk yeah. about this part of it. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah. We, um, listen, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about glucose with you. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. You're the founder of Levels, this this awesome device where we could just look look we could look at our blood sugar in real time to see if that muffin or the oatmeal or even that sweet potato is really affecting you personalized individually and it's fantastic stuff. Now, when it comes to glucose, uh, we need it, like you said, to convert into energy. Uh, it's what our body survives on. We thrive on it. The state of how we consume sugar in this world, is that, would you say, one of the top, if not the top reason why we're so metabolically unhealthy? Yes, absolutely. We are consuming 25 to 100 times more sugar than we were 200 years ago and all throughout the rest of human history. Uh, in the last 40 years since high fructose corn syrup came onto the scene, we are consuming 3,000% more fructose than we were before 1970. And every single molecule of those substrates that goes into the body is tasking the cells with doing that work to do something with it. How unfair, how awful for our cells to all of a sudden in the span of a few years have 3000% more work if we're specifically talking about fructose yeah. of course we have a chronic disease epidemic yeah. and the overabundance of these refined processed sugars and refined processed grains are two of the huge culprits on the food vector but the key thing to remember is that it's not just the food because the food can be processed by the mitochondria. And for instance, exercise can in, in, increase our glucose utilization by 50 times just by exercising. So it's an interplay between the huge overload coming in and then how much the system is being asked to basically process it. So all these other things that are hurting the machinery that processes that huge amount of substrate are also being damaged by other things, by the environmental toxins, by the lack of sleep, by the chronic stress. So you've got a broken machine way too much of the substrate and together we're screwed. And of course now six in 10 American adults have a chronic disease. 30% of teens have prediabetes. It's like, these things are just, it's like, duh, like we are do like things have changed so much. And the processed food and the processed sugar is a big part of one side of that equation. Um, and I think a really, really big one, the body only has a certain number of little machines to process all these molecules. And if you put kind of the right amount in, the amount that the body actually needs for energy, they'll process it, they'll make the energy, there won't be a lot of excess you know, waste products yeah. that hurt our cells. There's not gonna be excess floating around to stick to things and cause glycation and cause problems. It all works well. But let's say you even put two times more in than we really need for the actual energy we need. All of a sudden, all those machines are backed up. That excess is gonna be converted to fat. That fat is gonna fill our cells and block our insulin signaling. Insulin is the molecule, of course, that binds to our cells and tells the cells to take glucose out of the bloodstream. Now we have a backup of glucose 
in the bloodstream. And that's, of course, what we're measuring with a continuous glucose monitor. So all these things that are happening in this metabolic milieu inside the cell, the reason why monitoring glucose levels is so valuable is because it's a readout yeah. basically saying that for all these possible reasons and vectors, the cell is having a problem processing food to energy. Therefore, it's blocking the cell from taking that out of the bloodstream. And now glucose levels are rising. So it's not just about the food or what yeah. you're putting in. It's about the whole system. But it's an amazing readout for something being wonky in inside the cell and inside the metabolic processes. Mm. So theoretically, if you have this diet that is just okay, right? You're still, you know, sort of indulging in foods that are going to be raising your blood glucose. But if you tackle all these vectors, yeah, and you're really sharp with that, but you just can't get the food thing because you, you have a sweet tooth and this and that, theoretically, would your insulin, blood glucose, and just overall metabolic health be better? It's a great question. Yeah, I think that the answer basically is yes. That person who's eating processed foods, more processed foods than maybe that are ideal, um, but everything else is super dialed in. That would be a rare person, right? It would you know? be. But like theoretically, yes, they'd be efficiently able to process that stuff that's coming in, especially let's say if they were um, like walking after every single meal and moving all throughout the day and constantly churning through that glucose and actually using it for energy by activating their muscles, because that's the ultimate glucose yeah. sink and processor. You could maybe have a good, you know, situation there. But um but the issue is that those processed foods, because they are going to likely be micronutrient depleted, be covered in pesticides, which are going to hurt our microbiome, have little fiber. So our microbiome is also going to be screwed up. There's going to be all these elements that are actually hurting the cell as well. Mm -hmm. And so you just really can't get away with a processed food diet and be optimally healthy. But certainly you can set yourself up for probably better success with processing some of that excess glucose if you've got all the other factors kind of going well. Cool. That's good to know. It's So it, it's funny because we're like metabolic health, blood sugar, and we just don't think about like how much sugar we're intaking or the processed foods. Yeah. But I love how you're highlighting that it's not just that. It's something like the fear we live in, the air toxins that we're breathing in, yeah. the stuff we put on our skin. It's the full picture. Yeah. And, and I would also just say one more thing, like you had that great episode with Jesse, glucose goddess. And it's like, if you are going to be eating that stuff, it's like, put the, like she says, like put the clothes on it. Like put, if you're going to be eating the Snickers bar, if you're going to be eating the candy, like first of all, just please don't, because it's like really not healthy in your animating life force and your right. health and longevity. But if you do like put, eat some fiber beforehand, eat some protein beforehand, eat the veggie starter, you know, like at least do things that are going to stop it from being like a very quick influx into yeah. the body, like, and actually like buffer it with some healthful nutrients around it that are going to both like provide some support for the body, but also slow the absorption. So there's way, and, and then walk after it, you know, there's ways to massage it, but obviously, uh, you know, we, yeah, there are, there are going to be people who can't give up certain things. So if you're going to do that, at least like surround it with stuff that Makes can sense. be helpful. Makes yeah. Sense. You mentioned exercise and we were talking off air about exercise and movement. And I want to clear up some things. A lot of us go, okay, I did my workout. Now I could just be home, you know, or go to work nine to five, type up, go home, lay down on the couch. How important is it for people to understand that movement is just as essential, if not more essential than just going to the gym for an hour? 
I actually think the modern concept of exercise may be hurting us. And the reason I say that is because we've decided that exercise is this isolated event and a thing that we need to check off our to-do list. And when we do it, we have met some sort of quota or goal for the day in regards to how we move our body. And there could be nothing further from the truth. Exercising for a time-limited period of the day and then not moving the rest of the day is extremely detrimental to health. We want the exercise, but we also need to be moving our bodies throughout the entire day. The human body is meant to be in motion. And a body that is in motion more throughout the day has very different physiology than a body that sits during the day and then exercises for an hour. And I think a way to really understand this is to think again about the cell. I always think about what's actually happening at the cell. A cell that is experiencing movement, and I mean even just standing up and of course taking a short walk, some lightweight body weight exercises, that is going to stimulate that cell to bring glucose channels from the inside of the cell to the cell membrane to allow glucose to come out of the bloodstream into the cell to be processed for energy. These days, these days, it seems like everyone is carrying on a beverage, whether it's soda or flavored water or kombucha or coffee or tea. But not all beverages are created equal when it comes to quality and health benefits. That is why I become obsessed with Peaks Sun Goddess Matcha. I've been using this for, it's one of the first supplements I really invested in. It's four years ago, probably. And it's not just any old matcha powder. We're talking organic ceremonial grade matcha tea that has been meticulously screened for pesticides, heavy metals, mold, and even radioactive isotopes. Peak takes no shortcuts. Their matcha is cultivated by ninth degree tea masters in Kagoshima, Japan, using century old traditions. Their plants are shaded for 35% longer than usual to maximize the production of vital compounds like L-theanine for calm, steady energy and chlorophyll for its detoxifying anti-aging properties. I start every morning with a frothy cup of sun goddess matcha not just for energizing my body, you know, we all want to get that caffeine kick, yeah, okay, but for the amazing gut health, metabolism boosting, and antioxidant benefits. The phytonutrients nurture my digestive system, the EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently, and the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see I'm going right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up. So easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha, plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash DRG. They're so confident that you're going to love it. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. No code at checkout. Just go to P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash DRG. You're going to get 15% off plus all those freebies. That movement, even low grade, is stimulating the ferrying of intracellular glucose channels to the cell membrane. If you're doing that every 30 minutes for just like a minute, like getting up and moving, standing, walking around, doing a couple air squats Mm -hmm. all day, You have a body with cells that have glucose channels on their membrane. If instead you are a body that is sitting for 10 hours and not getting up or maybe getting up once or twice to use the restroom or go to the kitchen, you have cells that do not have those glucose channels at the cell membrane. Less of a, you know, easy chance for, for glucose to come out of the bloodstream and be cleared and used. 
and then you exercise for an hour. And yes, that's fantastic. You're activating that uh, muscle contraction. You're improving insulin sensitivity. You're getting those glucose channels on the cell membrane, but only for that hour and then for some period after that. So the optimal would be to both have discrete bouts of intense exercise, whether that's zone two training, high intensity interval training or resistance training, all of which we know are great for the body, but pairing that with a day that has regular movement throughout the day. And the visual that really helps me stay motivated is thinking like, this is information, this standing, this walking for two minutes is information to my cells to push these channels to where they need to be to get the glucose out of my bloodstream to process for energy so that I can be metabolically healthy. So I would say if there's especially in sort of doing the research for, for this book that I just finished uh, and just, just submitted. If, if there's literally like one thing that I feel like is the key takeaway that I'm going to take away for the rest of my life in regards to exercise and movement, it's just incorporate light, low grade movement throughout the entire day as much as possible. And when you really dig into the research, it can be as simple as one to two minutes every half hour of walking around. Uh, The studies show that people who move even that little um, throughout the day compared to people who you chunk all those that time together and just do it in one period of the day, even if it's the, the same total amount of minutes per day of moving, one is chunked and one is spread out. The people who it's spread out have significantly lower glucose and insulin levels than the people who chunk it. So the better bang for your buck is to just spread it out. Whoa. And we and we don't really think about that because a lot of us go work out, check it off, the checklist, like you said, come home and call it a day, yeah. right? And then we go, go to work and do our things. We're done with our movement. Yeah. Um, so maybe an easy way would be taking calls outside if you can, or going every, you said only just a few minutes, every hour, just going up and down the stairs if you walk yeah. in an office building. Um, there's easy ways to do it. When I When I was in the hospital doing residency, I had a pull-up bar in my office and I, in every hour I would go and do pull-ups and I'm like, okay, I did something, you know, I would do like 20 pull-ups and then as much as I can use the stairs, I use the stairs. Yeah. And every time during lunch, it, without fail, I took a walk around the garden, like two, yes. three laps and then I ate lunch uh, or like a late lunch or whatever, but it was, I, I was very healthy. Yeah. So it's really important. I want all of you viewing and listening, really take this to heart. And, and, and just know that like, okay, if you can't get to the gym, oh, you can just move throughout the day yeah. and make it work within your day. That's exactly right. It's about being creative and sometimes it will make you feel like you're being weird yeah. and that is okay. Yeah. Be the weird person who suggests, hey, hey fam, after Thanksgiving dinner, let's take a quick walk around the black block. Hey guys, yeah. this dinner was so good. Wanna have a dance party in the kitchen before we start doing the dishes? Oh, midday when I have a 20 minute break, instead of like sitting and scrolling, I'm going to go do my gardening then and get out in the sunshine and garden, you know, park farther away from the store and walk more, take the stairs instead of taking the elevator, suggest a walking meeting at work instead of a uh, sitting at your desk Zoom meeting. Uh You just got to start thinking like moving away from the confines and the construct of exercise to how do I naturally build movement into my entire day? And of course, still exercise, because again, we do know that 
discrete resistance training and zone two exercises, which is like low grade cardio. Um, these things are, are valuable, but yeah. we want to think creatively about how to just naturally build movement into our entire day in a way that's natural. When you look at, um, modern hunter gatherer populations, they, they, they walk around 20,000 steps per day. And the average American is walking around 4,000 steps a day. So that's a lot less. And of course we have exploding rates of chronic disease and heart disease and stroke and dementia and cancer and all the things. And there's very little heart disease in a lot of these populations that are walking more. And it's, uh, it's interesting. Like you, you, um, you get a lot of controversy about this concept of steps and people say like, Oh, I heard steps were debunked. I, I, I that's not a, people say that that's not important. Yeah. It's like, no, like steps. First of all, there is copious research literature showing that step count is actually very predictive of health outcomes. And interestingly, from from my research, the the sweet spot seems to be getting at least 8,000 steps a day. Ideally, 10,000 would be great. But when you start getting above 8,000 steps a day, your risk of Alzheimer's, dementia, diabetes, obesity, depression go down by like 40 to 50% for most of those diseases. It's incredible. And why? Why is it? It's not about the steps. It's about activating those muscle cells to have different physiology that ultimately makes us metabolically healthier and takes the glucose out of the bloodstream where it is causing harm when it's sitting there all day. It's a proxy metric for a body in motion. Mm. So I am a huge believer in steps. And for anyone listening, the next thing I would do after listening to this episode is go on Amazon. My favorite uh, step counter is the Fitbit Inspire uh, 2. It's $50. It tells you your steps on your wrist. The charge lasts for two weeks. And wow. if you can get those 8,000 steps a day throughout the day, you know you are literally slashing your risk of future chronic diseases, keeping your blood sugar yeah. more stable throughout the day, and are going to have a healthier and happier life. Mm, mm. That's so powerful. 8,000 is so doable. It is. Like, yeah. it, 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 I happen to walk 8,000 when I just take my calls yeah. outside, and, and I'm, I put a little bit more energy into making sure why. I was like, wow, 8,000, that's great. Yeah. Uh, how important is it after meals? Critically important. One of the best things you can do to get off the glu glucose roller coaster is to walk after meals. So much research to suggest this. And when you look at all the research, and there's been meta-analyses that look at this, some say that like walking after meals can be anytime within six hours after a meal. So you you take people who eat and you make them sit for six hours after a meal or walk within six hours after a meal. And the ones who walk within that six hours do a lot better over the course of a 24-hour period. But th there's there's other research that I think is stronger that shows that actually walking immediately after a meal within about 30 minutes is going to just really be your best bang for the buck. And the reason for this is because it takes about 60 to 90 minutes uh, after a meal for you as your your glucose is going up and reaching the peak. And if you can basically intercept during that window as the slope of the curve is going up, you can actually minimize the peak of the spike and make it come down wow. faster because you're just literally every step you're taking is pulling that glucose out of the bloodstream to be used for 
energy, allowing your mitochondria to do what they're meant to do, which is process the food to energy. So it's actually clearing them and making them work well. And so, um, so I would say just like simply put, one of the best things you can do to get off the glucose roller coaster is to walk almost immediately after a meal for 15 to 30 minutes if you can. If it's five minutes, that's fine. Activate the muscles, get the glucose recept, get the glucose channels to the membranes. It'll just basically support the whole post meal uh, physiology. And we we've done even research within the levels community of our members where we have them drink a can of Coke uh, with a walk afterwards or without a walk afterwards. And we actually saw the average glucose spike went from 162 milligrams per deciliter without the walk to 132 grams per deciliter with the walk. So that's a 30 point, it's about an 18% difference, which is meaningful. Yeah. yeah. And we know, of course, like, and Jesse talked about this a lot on the podcast, but it's worth reiterating that when you get off the glucose roller coaster, your day becomes a lot better because that spike and then the subsequent crash is when you feel that low energy, right. anxiety, uh, moodiness, the need to grab a cup of coffee. Right. But most importantly, I would say all, they're all important, but the cravings is when you crash. So that there was a paper in Nature Metabolism that came out last year that showed that that crash after a big spike is when people feel the drive for carbohydrates and feel hungry. And that makes sense because if you're crashing, your body's like, oh my God, what's going on? I need to get my blood sugar back up. And so it's your body then gets so stimulated with cravings to basically find food. If you get off the roller coaster, so a lower spike, you're not going to crash right. as much or you're not going to crash at all. And everything just feels a lot more stable. So walking after meals is pretty much as much of a magic bullet as it gets to reduce your post-meal spike and crash potential. Mm. This is this has been chock full of gems. I'm telling you, I hope viewers and listeners, you had your you have your yellow ledger in front of you and you are writing this out because there's so many important things. Um, waiting for a book next year. Uh, well, we, we, need the, we, need, we need it all organized for us. Um, anything else that we're missing before we wrap this up? Anything in your heart, anything that you really want to, mm. that you're feeling into mm. that you want to say? Oh, we've covered so much good stuff. I mean, would be happy to touch on obesogens if you want to, or we can save it for another episode. Mm. Hmm. Let's see where we're feeling. This has Let, been pretty chock full. Yeah, it's been chock full. I, you know, when you come back next year, because you're already here, we're yeah. going to go directly into obesogens. I I, we can't, th listen, I'm, I feel really satisfied. I feel like we had an, a high fiber, uh, no glucose spike meal right now. Yes. And, and obesogens will be our next giant feast that we have. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, where can we find you and what can we expect? What, 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 where do we, what's the future right now for the, for the doc? Mm. Well, we're having a lot of fun building at levels. Um, so anyone who's interested really in anything we talked about in this episode, there is so much more information at levelshealth.com slash blog, which is our content ecosystem filled with research-based summaries of papers and articles and spanning all these different vectors of metabolic health that we talked about. And so that's a really great resource that I would recommend. 
we put out lots of great educational content um, on our Levels YouTube channel, actually, and podcasts with the key thought leaders in the metabolic health space, and then at Levels on Twitter and Instagram, where people can get bite-sized pieces of information about metabolic health. So the company is focused on empowering people to understand their blood sugar levels by facilitating yep. access to continuous glucose monitors and software that helps interpret it. But bigger picture, our mission is to reverse the metabolic disease epidemic. And so education is a huge, huge part of how we do that. So I would check out all those resources. I'm personally at Dr. Casey's Kitchen on Instagram and Twitter. And those are the best places to find me. Go find her right now. Mm. Don't, don't even wait till the show's over. Open it up. Go check out Levels. And for this episode, we're doing a very special guest, uh, a special uh, code that we're putting into the show notes. Yes. Uh, from the Dr. G, you're going to make a little landing page. Yes, levels.link slash DRG, Dr. Yeah. G. And that, um, going to that landing page gets people two months of free membership. To, exactly. Yeah. Go, che go check it out. You are going to be shocked because you might be eating almond cashew cheese and thinking that your blood sugar is all right, but you may not know. It mm -hmm. might be spiking up. Mm -hmm. And maybe for you, your body doesn't like it. It's a great way to understand what's personalized for you. We, you're here in LA, so that means I, I expect you next next uh, next year to come through, and we're gonna go really deep on obesogens. Um, having you here has been fantastic. You are an encyclopedia wrapped in an energetic uh, mushroom romper vibe, <laughs> and I love this so much. And thank you so much, Doc. I appreciate you. Thank you.